Spiritual questions answered. We almost called this spiritual questions discussed. I don't know if you guys knew that, but we almost changed it because let's face it, we're not, we don't really answer things. We discuss things uh, as it should be. You guys know how it goes by now. My name is Curtis Childs with the Swedenborg Foundation Power Team to my left. This is Cara Dom, New Century Edition Latin Consultant. If you look over this way, you have series editor Dr. Jonathan Rose, Swedenborg scholar, knows more about Swedenborg than Swedenborg does, in my humble opinion. <laughs> uh, and we have Chelsea Odner on the end here, part of the brains behind Swedenborg and life itself. So thanks, everybody, for coming. And the, the thing we're doing today is answering questions. So do you want to do it? Okay. So these are questions. All these questions come from real people in the audience of this program. Some of them were asked over like the previous week. Uh, and some are going to be a- asked live by you guys who are watching right now, but we're not probably not going to be able to answer all of them because we get a lot, which is great. So we'll try to get to yours. And if we don't, you can write it as a comment and we'll try to get to that later. Okay. You guys ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. This is question number one. Redeemer 8888. So Swedenborg says heaven is different based on the love and wisdom within you. So that, there's the question. Isn't heaven a thing? You go into heaven. Heaven is all the same. What is this differences of heaven? And does Jonathan Rose, does Swedenborg go as far as to say heaven is different for every single person? And why? He does, in fact. Heaven is very different. And he talks about different communities within heaven that are organized around the things that people love and the way that they understand. And so he says that within different communities, there's even a different light. It's hard for him to describe because... uh, See our you know, show, the what is it called? The Light in the Afterlife, I think mm, it's called. Okay. Cool. Continue. And so this even comes down to every individual that everybody is is we are each our own love and our own understanding. And so we all have a slightly different take on reality. And so some people just as we do in this world psychologically, some people see a warm and wonderful world. Other people see kind of a dark existence or whatever. Yeah. And that continues in, into the other life. And some people see a show they really want to watch. Some have already clicked away. You know, it's just, it's just weird how that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Works. So bizarre. All right. Well, anyone have more more on that? Uh, okay, because I I have a few words. Um, it's it's almost like uh, that is how we all can contribute to humanity in our own way. That Swedenborg says we are our own specific kind of affection. Like we're a, we're a, par- a way to love that that nobody else quite does. And heaven is the joy of each individual sharing with the whole, and the whole sharing with... So you would sort of think, if you got into heaven, if you were that cool, you would think, okay, I hope some more people make it in, but not that many, because if everyone gets in here, then (laughs) how am I any better than anyone else? But Swedenborg says that angels are actually longing for more people to arrive, because everyone that arrives is, is a new... It completes the picture. It's not redundant, you know, because we're all we can all offer something different. Mm-hmm. So everybody, it's don't worry about space. You know, try to try to go to heaven. Cool. All right, let's <laughs> let's tear through the next one. This is uh, Antoinette on YouTube. Why is it that the physical world cannot exist without the spiritual world? And I would f- say that's an awesome question, and it sort of holds within it. Why do we even, why is there a physical world? Everybody goes to the spiritual world, has their near-death experience, sounds a lot cooler. Why are we slogging through this life uh, here? So what's Mm. the answer? I mean, there's got to be a single answer, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, this could probably be answered better than I'm going to, but... um, Not a chance. The, we were sort of just talking about how the, you need to have substance and form and i know that exists in the spiritual world you need to have substance and form this sort of like their two sides the great Um, swedenborgian duality right love and love and wisdom etc and so the spiritual world needs a physical like i was just talking about how i have there's physical images and things that help me get spiritual ideas and so they really do work as a vessel of these much greater deeper thoughts that are Mm. you know I couldn't put into words very well but I could look at a picture of something and it makes me think of oh yeah you know the Lord is loving and life is going to be okay or whatever you know like so there's a a value a usefulness now that doesn't get into exactly why you know Swedenborg has a lot to say about the physical world being the foundation and the resting place of heaven so maybe somebody else wants but to But you started and I want to say from here. when you said spiritual world 
I remembered once you were recording a segment for the show and you had to se- read a Swedenborg quote <laughs> and he said spiritual world over and over and we had to retake that and retake that. So I just Tricky word. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so further commentary? Well, I was just thinking that um, uh, they, Swedenborg says that the spiritual world is a world of causes and this world is a world of effects. And so in a certain way, uh, from Swedenborg's standpoint, Let's to pick a rather maybe humorous animal like a muskrat or something. It is <laughs> We're the way get emails about that. <laughs> it is the way that it is because of the thing that it embodies. There's a spiritual thing that it embodies, yeah. and that shapes why it behaves the way that it is. You know, it, because the spiritual world is a world of causes, so that's why it's needed. It's sort of like the seed around which this physical thing. Grows. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, yeah. but uh, it's it's the core of, of what it's, what lies within this physical world. As I read Swedenborg, it's not that there are two people. One person is the spiritual world. One person is the physical world. It's like the physical world is the skin of the spiritual world. Right. Mm-hmm. He talks about it as a foundation. If you saw our episode, um, why Jesus Christ was born, mm. or why Jesus was born, it says that the equilibrium on Earth was thrown off so much that that was affecting world of spirits is that everything is in real time affecting everything else that that angels can't be angels hanging out in heaven without us here to interact with uh that there's so you couldn't just wipe out the earth uh there there has to be that so that's another thought on it that it's it's always a progression it's not like that's the real party and here is mm-hmm. just like a waiting room that the, their needs here that's why you right. don't want to just oh god's going to wipe this world out anyway not i don't think so and it's something there's like you know you can find i don't know the exact place in which book might be secrets of heaven 9581 <laughs> heaven and hell or divine love and wisdom that talks about how the lord is like a, the sun in the spiritual world yeah. but how this sun actually is what sort of comes down and has its analog in the physical sun that we have in our solar system, but just sort of, I guess, the ex- the existence of light. and yeah. um, But so how that is, it's just interesting. We can think, well, why can't the physical world exist without the spiritual world, but then the spiritual world really can't exist without the physical world. They both go together, but so there's a lot mm-hmm. to explore it's, there. That's how the, the machine is put together, and we don't understand it. Do you have anything you don't understand about it, Cara? Everything. Okay. Cool. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll, we'll get you first on the next one. Okay, next question is, drive-by poet, do heaven and hell have equilibrium only in power and influence or also in population? Mm. I don't know the answer. No. But, but, yeah. Well, the Lord created everybody to go to heaven. That's everybody. Yeah. And then we get our chances to opt out. But if he created us all to be there, seems like there must be more in numbers. Right, right, right. There can't, yeah, they can't be that, well, we've got 1,800 people in heaven. So now who wants to go to hell? We'll set you, <laughs> like, we'll set you up with a sweet package. We really got to even that out. <laughs> I know that there is, there is an opposition in terms of communities that Swedenborg describes uh, every angelic community has an opposite in hell. And so the milder heaven and the milder hell oppose each other. So there's, a, there's the same number of communities, but that doesn't mean there's the same number of people in each community. No, yeah. that's right. And sometimes, Swedenborg says, sometimes the Lord has to um, uh, lift up one community or bring another one down, you know, to get the balance. Like, it's not just a numerical balance. It's like having... Right. A smaller kid on one end of a seesaw and then a larger one on the other end. And so you just get them to scooch in until they balance. You know, so the mm-hmm. Lord mm. the Lord does a lot of scooching. Because he, yeah. he has to he has to be able to s- imagine a future where he would scooch it so that nobody's on the other side of the seesaw. Because well, that was the plan, right? Yeah. yeah, like the... this is It'll be interesting to run this idea by you guys because I think about this sometimes where Swedenborg says that it's our sense of self that's at once our opportunity to be an angel in heaven because that sense of self can be, you know, regenerated Mm. and made heavenly. But our sense of self is hell, he even says, you know, Mm. like it is from it. It's the, the possibility of hell. And, but in angels, that self, they don't get their sense of self totally obliterated. It's not taken away. They still have a even more enlivened sense of self, but it's just so in surrender and humility to the Lord that the evil that it would always be creating is 
latent, you know, is, is sort of uh, mm-hmm. dormant, you know. And so, so in that way, it's almost as if there's a heaven and hell balance equilibrium going on in every person all the time even all these angels in heaven they almost all each have their own personal hell and i don't mean that in like a weird way as if like hell exists in heaven because it doesn't but just that they have a like there's some sort of a balance going on there where the lord's led them in freedom and they've chosen to just turn themselves so completely to the lord that their own personal hell is dormant but in a because the equilibrium is for our freedom yeah and so if we've by freedom become angelic, then that's still our personal freedom equilibrium that just requires that hell is very dormant and heaven is very open in us. Does that make sense? So almost like more of a holographic balance. And it's likened to a spring. I I think Swedenborg says it specifically that it's like a spring where their their selfhood is like a weight that drags it down. It would be like something attached to a spring Mm -hmm. from the ceiling or something. And their selfhood is like a, a weight that drags it down. And then the force of the spring, which is the Lord's kind of gravitational force, picks it up. And then, then it's self, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they go mm-hmm. up and down through different mm-hmm. states like this. So they are still in a in an equilibrium kind of an between, e- equilibrium between, between hell, two between different forces. Yeah, self. that's right. They're just pretty high up and getting higher over time. Slinky. Spiritual slinky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that, it real. that sense of self or independence is actually essential to the human God connection that if we didn't have, we were, I was just reading this for an upcoming show. That if we didn't have, uh, the feeling like we are separate, mm-hmm. then we could never form a willing partnership. Mm. And also in researching for another show, it turns out these shows are like pretty useful mm. for me. Anyway, <laughs> don't, don't say if they're useful for you guys or not. Um, they, I learned that he says with a good person, you have evil spirits and angels with the person mm-hmm. with a bad person. There's evil spirits and angels with the person. In the good person, the angels are in control, and the evil spirits are made to serve a use. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're right. locked up. Um, you, when you get to be a master, you actually evil works constructively for you. Like right. you know, their their negative energy is is turned positive. Uh, like vultures scavenging in an ecosystem. You know that they mm-hmm. want to eat this dead stuff. Turns out that actually helps everybody. So. Mm-hmm. Those are a couple of things I learned from Swedenborgian life. Right. So less, yeah, thinking about it in terms of populations, there is this balance, this oh, equilibrium yeah, that's yeah. being... I forgot what our question was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So anyway, those are a few thoughts. Does anyone have anything further? All right. Let's, let's do another one. Let's see how many of these questions we can touch on. Yokopo, a lot of NDEs describe the future. You guys made a video on the future. But many say the world may get far worse before it gets better. Is this part of the vastation of the church? Okay, so vastation of the church would be that Swedenborgian term where Swedenborg has these religious epochs that are called churches, where it's not one particular religious organization. It is a mindset for the human race that some, some percentage of it is participating in that serves a specific function. And Swedenborg says we've had four or five of these things and we're headed into a new church but before every church dies it has to get what he called what is referenced there as vastated which all the good stuff pulled out of it so things get dark the question is are we are we headed for that um or have we already done that or what so what's the answer i I have i have a thought okay if you want that's it i think we're i think we're in it now i think it's a long slow process but i think it is pretty intense right now it's almost as if the adult supervision somehow got canceled for the human race or something (laughs) even governments and you know i mean it's it's just amazing what's going on in our world right now and i do think this is part of a, a religious transformation the book of revelation talks about it in symbolic terms uh that it will be very intense you know those first like 1920 chapters of the book of revelation are pretty intense and and then you get happy chapters at the end 21 and 22 and that's kind of a picture of of what we're Mm -hmm. going through i think on a psychological level already yeah i don't know what it would look like but is there something to you see this um division happening where in within religious organizations now you get this people are getting really extreme and fundamentalist 
Um, and, or, and then moderate is sort of leaving into, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like you, we, in the United States, you see this in politics, you get real, some really extreme like elements that are really divisive. And, uh, is that part of the process of something falling apart? Yes. That's my question. It's interesting to think about like, is the world going to get far worse before it gets better? And it might just be that we notice how bad we are. Yeah. <laughs> And then we have the opportunity to change. Like, because yeah. really, are we like kind of hell is hell and evil is evil and it's been around forever. And people are taking plenty of opportunities to, you know, express that. And but so if anything, the world seeming like it's really gone wrong is maybe more of us realizing that that even is something that's out of order. Yeah. You know, like to even mm -hmm. notice that you've done something horribly wrong is to know that there's another opportunity there. And so that, that, you know, we're, you're, cause definitely, I guess, you know, Swedenborg does say in order for an evil to be removed, it has to be, um, seen. It, it has, has to come appear. out, has yeah. to come to the surface. Right. And so that, that, um, you know, uses the image of cleaning of wounds or whatever. And, yeah. um, but so collectively, you know, things have to come to the surface and then we have to notice them and to be able to, or personally and collectively, you know, I can speak for my own spiritual life, but then sure. I guess we're doing that all together. Well, it seems like <laughs> yeah. things that used to be commonplace, we now view as horrific. Definitely. You know? yeah. That's just, it, it mm. maybe things seem like they're better, but all this really harmful stuff was going on and nobody called it what it was. Yeah. So, One example, yeah. well, is that, uh, just in the last 200 years, people didn't think any much of childhood, you know, like that there was anything right. about innocence of yeah. a child, you know, it was just, oh, they're just mini humans that need to grow up and start working, you know, and yeah. so they didn't even have primary schools, preschools, this kind of thing. That's, that's a recent development that, that you need to even like yeah. take care of little kids and sort of protect their innocence and help them grow and give them good ideas. That's novel as yeah. far as I know mm. from what I've read which is a good deal i like that car your final thought oh my only thought is that uh as we watch the world around us crumbling it's a great opportunity to look inside and see how that occurs in our own hearts mm -hmm. and you know get our own personal vastation going right so that we can uh the trajectory into why not heaven is yeah yeah, yeah. working like for it. us yeah. okay <laughs> you you know things by their opposite Swedenborg mm. says that to mm. really know good, you have to know the opposite. That's right. So every, anything, actually, next week our show is about why bad things happen. Mm. One thing is anything bad that happens illuminates what it is and lets you say, oh, I want this. For example, if you were just sick, health means something mm. and where it, it doesn't if you've never had to struggle with it. Yeah. So, uh, let's, mm. do an, let's do another question. You guys ready? All right. Hopefully you like that, Yoko Po. Andre, can we avoid family members that we don't like in the afterlife? <laughs> Hopefully Andre's mom isn't watching. Um, uh, what's the answer, Cara? Um, well, I'm thinking uh, in the long run, probably, but maybe, I don't know. It depends what all the relationships are about. If there's some mm. spiritual issue that you need to work through and it's manifested in a relationship, Maybe you'll get a chance to work it out. But it's not like you're going to have to be going to Thanksgiving at the folks yeah, that yeah, you can't yeah. stand for the rest of eternity because <laughs> right. you'll work right. it out and you'll be in, everyone will be in the society where they're home and mm -hmm. where they belong. Yeah. And that, that's no, that, a thought. That, I don't know. I exactly agree with that based on Swedenborg. Um, you, there may be some kind of initial meeting. He writes about, we did a show called unsolved crimes in the afterlife what happens because he talks about people who had killed somebody and they coming face to face with that person's spirit in the afterlife that you mm -hmm. can't just oh i don't i never want to see them because that would be uncomfortable right. uh it could be that if there's something that needs to get worked out but on the other hand yeah if you have a person that you had any kind of relationship with that that's really this is a harmful thing i don't you're not forced to be in proximity to that person in the same way just because of external bonds here even even family bonds only become spiritual if there's love you know it's, mm -hmm. there's a physical bond initially but love is what brings and that spiritual families are are based on that having you you meet people and you feel like this is my family because we we love the same way so those yeah. are thoughts yeah and, and swedenborg talks about the fact that um you know i think that's right there there probably will be 
some contact if it's beneficial for the, for the two of you or whatever. But he talks about the fact that when two people disagree, when they have different thoughts or different feelings or whatever, they turn away from each other and then they just disappear. You, you don't even right. see the person anymore. And so I, I think we're not going to be just saddled endlessly, as, the, as you others have been saying, with, with uh, people um, th- where you just see things completely differently. You know, you, 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 it just, you, you get, it, we talk in this world about opposites attract. To Swedenborg, it's, it's likes, it's similarities mm-hmm. that, are, mm-hmm. that attract mm-hmm. and, and that bring people together. I like thinking about that, too, in terms of thoughts, because as Swedenborg describes it, our thought patterns are basically a byproduct of our location in the spiritual world. Mm. We're actually getting you know, input from spiritual communities, mm. and that's shaping sort of our thought stream. Wouldn't it be nice to not have to be around thoughts you don't want to be around? Because mm. pretty much mm. everyone I know is annoyed at their thought stream at the very least. So that the idea of... That family. Wow. Yeah, that family. Like the, the, the within, the, like the, um, what's that movie that Pixar just did? Inside Out. Inside Out. I didn't see it. But that, like if you don't like those little guys, um, wouldn't that be cool to, to not have to be around? Yeah. Chelsea, did you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's just interesting to do the thought experiment, but experiment of like what would that be like in the spiritual world? And it's hard to imagine for us here, I think. And I remember hearing from somebody talk about how ideas can change a lot easier and faster than like our will our love can change you know like that does actually that takes some process to like change our will and so things might seem slower in that regard if we've developed these super strong attachments to these people even if they're not like core you know resonant with us or something um but it speaks to me of just how important it is for us to start the process now. You know, like the having that, having reflection on your own thoughts, on your own sense of who am I, you know, in the Lord and what, you know, who, I don't know, like what kind of people do I want to surround myself with or that, that whole process of, because I was thinking in terms of what you're saying about thoughts, like we can get sort of addicted to thoughts that we have. And so there are these super strong attachments and Swedenborg says we just, we're going to continue to have those if that's just what we've made our life out of, you know, mm. is always thinking or longing and willing for the same things. But so just to sort of shine a light on what am I attaching myself to in this world and why? And is that really what feels mm. like it's an integrity with, you know, myself or something in the Lord? Or So that's an idea where we can sort of start that process the now, life, I guess. We bring the life with us that we had. Or he phrases it a couple different right. ways. And, yeah. and if you enjoy, unfortunately, if you enjoy, if you're having an enjoyable hatred with someone, they're, they're enjoying oh, yeah. hating you and you enjoy hating like them. Like you and I. That is, more of a, that is more of a, of a, of a bond. You know, I mean, that, that, oh, that, that, that can right. bring people together. Because so it might not be love, but it's still that you are enjoying having this rivalry or, or, or resentment or something. Well, in, in right. hell, there is an attractive force as well. I mean, there are communities in hell, mm-hmm. and people are brought together there, but it's more of like an organized crime kind of thing. Like, okay, you're my friend right now, but if you double-cross me, I'm going to kill you, or right now I'm going to try to get good with you because you're more powerful, but as soon as I have a chance, I'm going to betray you. So there's, there's sort of that, right. the other side of the attraction as well right and i guess that because people often ask like oh well why can't i just you know hey if if i'll just get purified in the spiritual world and then i can just go to heaven great like but that that's sort of the reality of people ask like is hell real like the reality of hell is our own wills just getting really attached to things that really don't actually serve us and so but if we're not if we don't sort of start the process of wanting to think about is there another way another way to organize myself or pay attention to certain things over other things, you know, that that, that is valuable to do that do it this time. Do it right now. Yeah. That's the message. Okay, That's right. let's take a look. Another one. Loops John. How did God come upon the wisdom to deem what is necessary? Like, how did he get set up to be the, the dude, you know? <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Mm. Swedenborg t- sort of takes that for granted uh, because God is not, hasn't come upon the wisdom. God is wisdom. Exactly. Uh, God is divine. Yeah. Well, if you say exactly, elaborate on that. Well, uh, actually, it's little known that there was a, a raffle early on, and, uh, and he won the raffle. No, the, um, he bought most of the uh, no it, it does kind of make you dizzy to think about because 
I mean, I've thought about that before. Like, how did we get so fortunate that the creator just happens to be perfect love and perfect wisdom? And that was lucky. Like, right. It could have worked out <laughs> worse than that. Yeah. Um, uh, but but I agree with you that, that God is that wisdom. Uh, so it wasn't an acquiring, you know, the Bible speaks about God being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, it, it, the, there wasn't an acquisition. Uh, we think about on. asking that question, how did wisdom come upon the wisdom to deem what is necessary? You know, mm. of course. It's because it already is. that It speaks to, we think of God, God is some kind of empty person. And within God, assign the characteristics of uh, uh, all-present love, all-present No, God is those things. And so the love we experience, we are experiencing God flowing in. There's a lot of that in Swedenborg. You know, and that's, that's an essential concept. If you're trying to get a grasp of God, God is not a being that has these attributes. God is, God's being is those attributes. So, right. right. And, and wisdom is what perfect love needs to know in order to get the job done. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the love that leads to the wisdom. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, right. and I guess ahead. just that the, how did God come upon the wisdom to deem what is necessary is through omnipresence. You know, that mm. that's just what it brings to mind that like God actually is everywhere all the time through the divine design, as he said, or you can check out the show, What God Can't Do. And that, yeah. um, let's see how many shows we can plug. But, uh, um, that, that, so somehow God is so present that, and with complete wisdom and complete love, that it's just like the best sort of ally that you could imagine, always sort of working on your team and being right there to mm-hmm. try to like help and support you as best. As it can, so, so like total, like um, total love is an automatic byproduct of total wisdom. Meaning, uh, the things that aren't loving, where uh, one of you could be sitting here and accidentally fall over during the show, and I could be like, "Ah, that's funny," and think that was cool, is because I don't understand that you are a person just like me and what that feels like, you know. But mm. when you're everywhere at once, mm. you, the only thing that makes sense is, oh, it's not, you know, anybody else's suffering is not. You know, you can have a tendency to like, oh, like a tornado is coming. As long as it doesn't hit my house, it's kind of exciting, you know. But it's, I remember when there, a hurricane came and I was watching uh, the trees waving by my house. I was like, okay, as long as these ones don't fall, it's fine. And I was like, wait a second. Everyone else is hoping that my trees fall <laughs> and that theirs don't. <laughs> anyway, the, the, some bats card you yeah. have Okay. It's really awesome that, that uh, it's awesome to contemplate that God knows how the steps, and for every different kind of person, because all people are different, and yet God knows how, no, I, I know how someone like you, you know, I know the next step for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know how this development needs to go and, and all that, if you're willing to come along for the ride. So that's the story of how God came upon the wisdom. <laughs> yes. Deem what's necessary. New folklore. All right. So let's take a look at another question. Lisa, if the universe is fully inhabited then did Jesus only incarnate on earth? Yes, you have this phenomenon where Swedenborg, if you just saw our last show, which was called Why Jesus Was Born, Swedenborg is talking about all this mystical stuff, spirits and everything. But he also says Jesus is real and, and Jesus was the, the thing, you know, is like the central important thing. So we got to unpack that phenomenon a little bit. How, yeah, how does that make sense? What, is there a Jesus on every planet? We know now that there are multiple planets. I just watched a movie called The Martian, um, so I know there's Mars. Uh, <laughs> was there a Jesus on Mars? Why didn't he go there? Just because there's no people? Are there people on other planets? Why isn't there Jesus there? So what's the answer? Well, one interesting thing that Swedenborg says yeah. is that Jesus was born on there because we have the printed word. He and did. we can he spread we can spread the knowledge. Yeah. Um, so interesting. And in in his experiences of visiting spirits from other planets, they seem to be all about Jesus too, but like we needed him born here and they didn't or something. I don't know. Wait, right. do yeah. you have- well, well, there's and another factor that he also <laughs> says um, is that uh, I have the impression that 
that that Jesus was was born here because our planet is the worst, and mm. he wanted to go to the to <laughs> the, the farthest. If you got to the farthest away thing from heaven, then you have everything in between, no problem, you know. Yeah. And Swedenborg does talk about people on other planets who are evil and others who are good, but it sounds like overall. We win. We rock around here. We we won <laughs> yeah. the evil battle, and uh, so that's why we got the blessing of having the Lord born here, and, th- and that makes some sense. It's kind of mind-boggling oh. to think about that, but but that these more spiritual cultures that are on other planets uh, are more intuitive and in touch with heaven, and so they get the information, they get the update. You know, but we we needed something concrete and something written that we could have in our hands. Yeah. Well, that's like the. You know, Jesus was the physical embodiment of the divine human. And so before the physical embodiment of Jesus, there was the divine human who is the Lord. And so then Jesus was glorified into that divine human. So there is the divine human that then had this physical um, image and, yeah, embodiment Anger. as Jesus, right. And, um, and so the idea that, if the whole universe is inhabited with people, they were having, they were able to have a relationship with the divine human, even without uh, Jesus, the physical experience of Jesus on their planet. But um, so interesting that you mentioned the printed word thing, because I've heard about how like we used to be an oral culture, Mm. oral society group of people. Mm -hmm. And that, and Swedenborg says that, sort of we're the worst in terms of we got the most externally oriented. Like we turned the most away from spiritual things than other inhabited planets did, I guess. And so, but we can see like being, needing to read something, to learn about something is a very external thing to have to do. Like you can't think about your own thoughts. You need to look it up in a book and read it on this physical piece of paper. Like we're so dependent on physical external things, you know that that is that sort of an uh, evidence of how externally oriented we are. But that that was a development of hum- humanity over time. That we lost our our ability to just hold things in our memory, to just learn everything orally. We ended up getting to the point of writing it down. But then that also, like I think that was a process of us getting more and more external, and then that also was what led to the Lord needing to come here to this most external place. And the upside is that when you have written word, you can have some recorded and it stays just as it is. Mm-hmm. And the Swedenborg says that's part of that, you know, we've done a couple of shows about the importance of the text of the Old and New Testaments. And because there could be this text that could hold this kind of... Uh, this you were talking before about heaven and how heaven needs earth. Swedenborg actually right. says that when we read the text here in heaven, different things happen. You know, but we need to, yes. that we're thinking about these names and places. Heaven is thinking about states and phenomena, uh, spiritual phenomena. So somehow it, God is turning that. Hey, yeah, we were really bad. We really needed that, but works out really well for everybody because that <laughs> because he came across in that raffle. Well, the right. ability to do that. <laughs> well, that's the, right. the Lord's divine providence of being able to see that that's what would be the most useful. You know, he becomes the first and the last, you know, wanting to be everywhere. And, cool. and it's, that means that uh, it's universal in the spiritual world, like in the, in the spiritual world, which is a very important place too. Uh, there's universal knowledge about mm-hmm. the Lord's birth. And it, that only needed to happen physically once. And, you take a cucumber, turn it into a pickle. You you only have to do that once, and it's not a reversible procedure. Yeah. You know, and the Lord, that's very profane to it's, liken well, the glorification the most, like, to awe-inspiring metaphor. making a pickle. Thank you, <laughs> but uh, but the, that only needed to happen once. You know, he, he's not going to go to different planets and do that on the different planets mm. mm-hmm. to get most present in like most outermost right. things. And they have dreams, they have vision, you know, they have more spiritual ways yeah. of connecting with the information. We can read correspondences, can know what a mountain means, what a tree right. means. more connected with heaven and whatever. So, so that's the answer, Lisa, uh, or, so, <laughs> yeah. or a few of the answers. So hopefully you enjoyed good, that. Let's take question. a look at our, yeah, great question. Let's look at the next one. Uh, Ash Mayberry, does, he- does the Heaven Swedenborg talk about only include humans? What about animals and other life forms that may have evolved in other parts of the galaxy or universe. Well, Swedenborg does this funny thing where he says heaven is from the human race, 
But then he talks about other planets. And there's people on those planets, but he calls them human as well, right? Mm -hmm. He does. So what's going on with that? Are they people from from this world that went there? The answer is no. Um, (laughs) It's not a biological thing, as far as I can tell. He he, he will describe people who, yeah, they're spirits that used to live on other planets and that they even have different physical characteristics, probably wouldn't be genetically the same species, but he calls them human. He says these people are human, which makes me wonder... um, are chimpanzees human in that sense? You know, like, do they, you know, you ever see that show about, like, Coco, the chimpanzee, it can do so many signs, uh, like, has a more complex vocabulary than a whatever-year-old mm. human being. Are, are there more? That, so Swedenborg, a lot of traditions don't, but Swedenborg draws this clear distinction between um, humans who have free will and animals who, who are their their will and their understanding our joint they just are what they are right. you know you as we said before you don't get if a bear attacks somebody you're not like what a monster what an evil bear you know just like that you were in this territory that's just what bears do but if a person attacks you think you should have done something different mm-hmm. so but are there do you see what i'm saying are there more than one species that have free will uh, mm-hmm. according to swedenborg so those are those are my i questions. guess the way i would frame it is that the um uh what Swedenborg calls human is really about um, having love and compassion in your heart, not that animals don't have that, but also having a choice about whether you love or you don't, being Mm -hmm. able to choose your values, being able to choose, um, uh, like chart a course with your mind, you know, squirrels don't get together and all decide, you know, why do we run up the trees? Why do we do this? They don't have squirrel philosophers who sit around and go, you know, we're nuts. You know, frankly, we really are. And uh, thank you. But the, uh, <laughs> but, but humans do that kind of thing. And so what makes us human is not the plumbing or it's not, you know, not yeah. the opposable thumbs. Right. It's the fact of being this multi-layered being that has a will and an intellect and some sort of external package. So yeah. I imagine the package is a little different with people on other planets, but what makes them human is that they have those those features, right, and that right, would be right. recognizable to us mm-hmm. as human. Makes sense? Yeah, the just the idea of other life forms. So I guess you're saying like if there are human-like life forms on other planets, then yes, those people are in the spiritual world, but Swedenborg does call them human. But then in terms of the spiritual world does have even more variety in terms of like the diversity of life and plants and trees and species and all that stuff. Swedenborg says everything we have here and more and more and animals and that they're all images of love and wisdom. And am I on the right track here? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Just that they're sort of, they're a, a reflection of the loves and ideas that, that these humans, however broadly you define that have, um, Mm-hmm. So the answer mm-hmm. is you will. There are turtles in heaven. Like you can go see them. They're there. <laughs> they mean something different, maybe or yeah. yeah well, yeah. Know. Who knows? Who knows? I'm gonna. I mean, because I I love studying biology. I love. I was gonna do conservation biology. I love that stuff. So I want to know how does the ecosystem work there? There's mm-hmm. got to be order to it. The way Swedenborg describes it is kind of all over the place. Things appearing and disappearing. There's got to be a similar order to it. There's got to be something as exciting as there's only 18 breeding pairs of this animal left. We have to save habitat for them. We have to figure out how you can have it so people can enjoy this for, yeah. for So there's got to be some analog to that. And we'll find out when we get there. So mm-hmm. I think we should move to the next one. Uh, there you go, Ash. Robin, I finished Secrets of Heaven and was curious about the part where he describes the different hells that people experience. Somewhere under the foot and somewhere put the kids in another room, under the buttocks, <laughs> and so on. What body was he talking about? Yeah, that's like, that's like the most awesome question. Because if you get into particularly Swedenborg's Journal of Spiritual Experiences, what is he talking? These were a little ob- above the right eye, down to the left. These appeared just above the sternum. What is that? Do you guys They're know? nodding their heads a yeah. lot. <laughs> say something. Kara's going to answer this one. No, I'm very excited. I... I all I know is that Swedenborg says yeah. that... A disclaimer. All we all know is that Swedenborg says <laughs> right. thing X. Is that heaven is in 
the human form, you know, just, and mm-hmm. we've talked about that many times on this sure. show. Yes, we have. And that hell has an analogous thing going on of a human form. The great monster. And, and so, and so we've talked about how there's people that are eye spirits or kidney spirits or skin spirits. Right. And I think that's what he's talking about when yeah. when he's describing that these spirits were a little left of my right ear or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it is confusing because he does talk about inter- he seems to be referring to his own body sometimes. Right. And so yeah. I don't really know. There are m- multiple human forms as far as I can tell when he describes. He describes the grand human like you were talking about, but then he also described that every spirit has a place in the grand human. Um and you don't move from your place. You can appear like you're in somewhere else, but you're. It's like wherever you're facing, the, it's always in the same place because it's a three sixty degrees. Doesn't matter. It's all like right and left. Like it's oh, you're always where you are in terms of how the Lord is looking. Like certain spirits are appear in different because God is kind of the center of reality. So different spirits appear in different areas there. But then also there are spirits who interact with Swedenborg's body in particular ways. Like if Mm. devious, I was just reading about how demons would try to attach to the back of the head. Um, Spirits who had to do with the xiphoid cartilage are like false, you know, are superficial and false. Um, So there are, they both live in that part of the body, but also interact with your body when they come to you. And you can tell by how they affect your body what they're like. That's my sense so far from reading. Mm. Does, he, does anyone want to pick a fight on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I have, have had a similar thought. I've had very much the same question that this person poses for years sure. reading Swedenborg. Like, what body, what are you talking what, what, what kidney? <laughs> the kidney. What kidney? You know, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, Send this draft back. They're, they're back in the 1800s. There was a hilarious ad on TV uh, where <laughs> someone said was at the manicurist. And they have their hand dipped in some stuff, and they're soaking in, in it. And then they're talking about this new dish liquid that's really kind to your hands. It wasn't really the 1800s. Yeah. But, but, and then the Madge says, uh, you're soaking in it. You're, what? And they pull their hand out of the, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so shocking to think that at the manicurist you're soaking your hands in dish soap. And, um, <laughs> Sounds like a great commercial. We're, we're soaking in it. We're wearing the image and likeness of God. Uh, it's a fascinating thought that we know what this thing is because we're wearing it. We all have that same, that's something that unites us. We all have the same experience. And so I think Swedenborg was probably feeling it in his body, but knew that it was a reflection of the grander body. You know, it's like, oh yeah, this affects the ribs. And it's not just like my ribs, it's like everybody's Mm. got ribs, you know, Mm. the ribs, yeah, the the kidney and the, you know, and here's so everything's kind of mapped on that, and so I think it had to have some sensory experience uh, for him uh, as part of how he knew where this was coming from. You know, this caused a pain in them in my eye or the temple. Mm-hmm. Or, you yeah. know, the Swedenborg temple. talks about how we all know the language of heaven, like we all come into knowledge of that language that there's one language, and that um, that we all have that somehow inside of us, and it makes me think of how. You had Raymond Moody talking at the, mm-hmm. that event, and he was talking about nonsense and how when people have spiritual experiences or they're in heaven, sort of what they describe of it can sometimes be nonsensical, but that there's sort of a, a wisdom or some kind of order maybe within this nonsense. And this sounds a little bit like nonsense to me. You know, like it's sort of like, wait, how can you say that that thing is under your left foot, and this one's under whatever, and <laughs> but that that's part of this language of heaven that we, like the language of heaven is all about this human body that we have, or that somehow the Lord set it up so that this human body that we have can be a kind of way to figure out some, have some cool spiritual insights about spiritual life. And so um, talking about, because sometimes I think Swedenborg is saying within the grand human, there's are, are these societies that correspond to these different parts of the body but then other times he uses specific parts of the body to mean um, somewhat different things. Like, for example, like the, the pelvic area is sort of the, you know, a very inmost heaven, you know, sort of reproduction, just a very sort of like sacred good part of it. And yet at the same time, 
when you think about the human body in another way, it's pretty low down on the scale. You know, like Swedenborg prioritizes like, oh, the head is the height, you know, and then once you get down to those hip bones and the knee bones, you're sort of way lower on the scale. So like, wait, that doesn't compute with what you just said was so important and, you know, precious about this part of the body or something. So it's like, there's, it can seem contradictory, but I think it's a kind of language. So as far as like, he often talks about underneath the foot being, you know, outside of yeah, that's right. heaven, really low, really like the foot is the closest thing to the earth. So really external. So you just like thinking about it in terms of um, correspondences. And one other little thought was just this idea that the Lord is the human, the grand man, right? And that the Lord knows what's working in the divine design through the divine design, because he is that order that's everywhere. But that Swedenborg says that he knows what's working against that divine design, or that's how he knows what's not in order, is because it's always working against the divine design. And so it's cool to think about if the Lord is this, like, grand human body, then hell is always working against that human body. Mm. It's never really so far, like, it's always somewhere Mm -hmm. right there, like, right underneath your foot or you know, really bugging your that itch in your whatever i don't know i have this anticipation of how cool i'm gonna think it is when i understand it like i can see shades of oh this is going to be ingenious that somehow god is designing this experience where we all go through life but at the same time we all are immersed in the pattern of all of life that you have this app in your pocket that has the entire everything within it already (laughs) and that everything is a metaphor for everything on every scale that you have heaven and hell on this huge scale in the body and below the foot and trying to hurt the body and you've all lived that with germs trying to get into your body and disease trying to get in and is that the way god experiences everything is Mm. he can feel this particular evil that's messing with the human race is like as a pain in the neck (laughs) so so i think I think stay tuned because I think when we f- see it, we're going to say, he's good. Like that's God is like smart. That's a smart way to set it up. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. And hopefully God will show me divine favor for having that optimism. All right. <laughs> let's do the next one. Great question. Yeah. Renan or Renan. Did Swedenborg say anything about the polytheistic gods? Are they just silly superstitions or could they be true spiritual beings? Who are the gods? Does anybody else want to? I always like monopolize the most low, the low hanging fruit. So I'll let somebody else start. I'd love to take a swing, but I don't please, know. Please do. Um, uh, Swedenborg says this amazing thing that that um, it's it's very. A lot of people say that God is one, but Swedenborg says that there are an infinite things that are present in God. Like He's not just one blob. You know, mm-hmm. a blamange or something. He's, uh, you English, know, please. an amazing. Uh, <laughs> all all different kinds of things are together in God. So God, He speaks sometimes about the divine nemesis. There's this tremendous mercy. There, you know, all the different qualities that are reflected in human beings are are present there in God and many more. And so, uh, my understanding of how polytheism came about was that people started out. Just adoring, look at that divine strength, you know, and someone else yeah. just admires the, the the beauty of God, you know, and and someone else admires the softness and the mercy and the kindness or the patience or something like that. And then those got kind of extrapolated. They thought a lot about those personalities, what they would be like. They even mm-hmm. sort of created uh, works of fiction where they're talking to each other and so on. And and then over time, there was some confusion about it, and they got concretized into these ideas that you have all these different different gods. But I think they're actually different qualities within the vastness of, of the one god. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you that one. Okay. Is it, um, I have, is it, did you want to say something first? I have a thought. I don't yeah. have to say something first. Please do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> just... Uh, well, I have two thoughts, actually. Two thoughts? I gave um, you time for one thought. <laughs> well, one very... As far as, like, I don't know what polytheistic gods this person is specifically asking about, but my mind immediately goes to, um, like... Uh, Hindu. Yeah, Hindu, the polytheism. And, um, and so 
For example, just one very interesting example that has stayed with me since I read it, but in the Bhagavad Gita, there's one point where Krishna, who is this one God, you know, you might think one in the million, but in this case, you know, being an image of the one God, but he's he's talking to Arjuna, and Arjuna says, I want to see you in your greatness, like in your cosmic allness or whatever, and then Krishna like transforms or transmute into that for a moment for Arjuna and Arjuna and you know it's I don't know how many verses it is in the Bhagavad Gita that just describes this sort of all faces and all you know trying to see all of the infinity of God in one picture like we just can't do it but sort of it's this as if Krishna had sort of transformed into all of it but then he comes back and is just Krishna talking to Arjuna and that's just such a powerful idea of like we you know, Swedenborg just so emphasizes that there's one God and, you know, in this, Jesus is the human form of that God. And then, but that like, we need that to connect to and, mm. but that one human is really just all of it, infinite love, infinite wisdom. And I think that like reality that there's that sort of dichotomy is just like, humanity has been sort of trying to get a handle on that forever. So it's just so Mm. normal that we just think, of course, there's a lot of them or like, Mm. (laughs) but that just that over time, humanity is just trying to think of God as human. And then you just come up with all these different, very human gods or whatever. But that's my turn. I'll leave it at that for now. Very good. Cara, do you want to turn? All right, I'm taking yours then. All right. (laughs) So I think one reason why I think Swedenborg might really be onto something. Like, has this guy actually been shown a good segment of, of how reality really is? Is that the tale that he tells of human history does not trivialize other spiritual traditions. You ha- you mm-hmm. have certain religious sects that you know, you know, even within Christianity, some like Jesus is it. Everything else is just a bunch of crap. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, Swedenborg talks about hieroglyphics. And how mm-hmm. those were based on correspondences. He talks about the Greek god. When I hear polytheistic, I think about Greek and Roman gods, mm-hmm. and that those actually were based on correspondences. I heard, and I don't know how I would have heard this, that there was a correspondence with Zeus and Hera. Uh, is that is that the Zeus's wife is named mm-hmm. Hera? And Zeus would go off and sleep with other people, and it was like, oh, why are you doing this? You, you, but the correspondence is that. Hera was the church, but Zeus was God, and God was going to be with people, mm. all people, not just people all within the church. Mm. All religion that that, he, that mm. God could be present with all, and, but the people in the church. Wait, just us, just us. You know, so mm. that's that is a possibility, um, and I think that it's not just that this other stuff. Think of like Native American religion that this was all just that that is the truth seeping through in those ways. And so there's yeah. something, and that Swedenborg talks about uh, idols, you know, images, that those can be positive or negative. It's if, if you have images that are reminding you of divine things, that's great when people separate those and worship the physical object, then it's bad. I would think the polytheistic stuff, you could have a very true connection to, to God. Uh, but or but if you really think that there are sort of warring personalities that you're just not going to get that same kind of it's all of connection. Yeah. So those are a couple of of those. Yeah, go ahead. Just to belabor this even further. Sure. Um, <laughs> the, um, Jesus does. You know, it's interesting to be a Christian, and you know, if Jesus is sort of the spokesperson of Christianity. He's up there. He's up in there. Christianity. Um, <laughs> but he. Um, he is having a conversation with a woman at the well and they're talking about different religions and and the and Jesus says that sort of his point is that the father or sort of divine love as we understand through Swedenborg is wanting to be worshiped in spirit and truth and that's sort of like the emphasis and i think christianity goes falls away from even what Jesus was really trying to say by being so person of Jesus focused, you know, that we, that we just create a lot of strife with a whole lot of other people. When Jesus's own words, this whole emphasis on like, I just, I want worship in spirit and truth, not just these 
oh, it's only important for you to worship at Jerusalem, and it's not okay if you worship over here, and it's blah, blah, mm. blah, but just that that, like what you're just getting at is like the spirit and truth of it, like that there is this love and there's this wisdom that has just been wanting to have a door in this world forever, and it's always trying, and we're always trying to connect mm. in different ways, but then, you know. There you go. And, and I think when we go to the spiritual world, we might encounter um, angels who really, we, we, we might be so astounded by them because they embody these qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But yeah. then they'll just say, oh, it's not me. You know, I mean, right. the Lord is so kind that he wants to give everything of himself and give different qualities to different people at different times and to do different sort of useful things. Um, and they would be totally humble about it. Oh no, I'm I'm just I'm I'm dirt. I'm nothing. But but the Lord does flow through me sometimes, and I really like that. And yeah. And so I think we'd encounter people who we would feel like, Gosh, you're like a demigod. You're amazing. Right. Say, well, I'm an angel, and that's the spirit of the Lord that you're feeling there. To right. close, um, he does say that sometimes angels forget that they're not God. Yes. That God is flowing through them so much that they think they are God talking. So maybe we'll get to, to feel that at some point someday. All right, great. Thanks very much. Let's do the next one. Uh, T-Lock, I've been searching for a spiritual awakening. What can I do to do so? What do you got? What should we do? I mean, if, if people want to wake up spiritually, what's what's the Swedenborgian advice? Hmm. I, Reformation, regeneration, repentance, right. those kinds That's of things. That's a good start. Okay. I love... The or do you want to say something? Yeah. Okay. Um, there is a book that's by Ray and Star Silverman called Rise Above It, and it's just a very the Ten Commandments made very accessible and applicable to your life, and uh, just that you know uh, Swedenborg says that if we take one thing and start working on it in ourselves in our life, you know, start reflecting about some some heavenly ideal and thinking about that in terms of where we are in our lives and we start making some focus on that, then that's just sort of like enough. That's enough of a catalyst that like, cause the Lord is so present, so wanting to just, you know, bring us all to heaven if he can, that that's just like, can bring, can start the process of a spiritual awakening. But so in terms of like, for me, I remember reading that book and just taking, you know, one of the commandments and thinking, how am I living this in, could I, how could I sort of do this more consciously and how could I not be sabotaging my own process to do this more consciously? And uh, I feel like for me that was something that really created sort of a spiritual awakening. And I want, I want to alter the question to fit that in. So what has it been for you guys that have been little spiritual awakenings? Not, it doesn't have to be the mountaintop thing, but, mm. but what, what has worked? What's something that's, that's worked for for you, and I'll go to let you think about that. But to me, the the Swedenborg awakening comes through normal stuff, like doing. It comes when I'm doing the dishes, but I'm thinking about I'm mm. doing this for the common good. It feels mm. different, you know, that there is a there is a spiritual feeling in that. It comes when I'm interacting with my own thoughts and feelings, but. I'm doing so from this matrix of truth where I, this one is, I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm not thinking about that, I'm, I'm the one who chooses which is legit, which is not from that, um, you know, like from these things that I've learned. Or I'm looking at something in nature and imagining the symbol, symbolism and then it feels different, like that, they, that, that starts to feel different. To me, it's all, Swedenborg says, it's not apart from the world, it's, it's in the world. That you had like in living, he kept living a normal life, even though he was having all. The, I don't have journeys like he do, does, but it seems like to me that you keep doing similar things, but you do them for a different reason, or you you do them, you have a different experience. That's what's worked for me in my little ways. And I, but I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I've had some profound spiritual awakening. You know that, that that I had this one experience, and now I think differently. So, in a way, I'm not qualified to answer the question because I don't I don't know how to get there. But those are the things that have felt like little spiritual awakenings to me. So, mm. That's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, along those lines, I would say that um, just an attempt to uh, t- 
take other people into consideration and not just right. be wallowing in my own what I want and what mm-hmm. I think is the way it should be right. is a little tiny step of a of a spiritual awakening. Like, oh, there's people out there who could be <laughs> ser- I could are, be yeah. serving or I could be helping, and uh, maybe I could just try a little love instead of like foaming away with contempt or something like that. That's advanced. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very advanced. Yeah, yeah. I can see in theory how <laughs> But I mean, if he's talking or if this if T Lock is yeah. talking about some kind of spiritual experiences like Swedenborg had, mm. I don't know. Some people seem to have the gift of spiritual experiences and some people just don't have that kind of thing going on. But right. So it depends what how you're defining the term, but yeah, he doesn't give as we always say. He spends so much time writing, but doesn't ever lay out. Here's how you have a spiritual experience. Yeah, right. Even yeah. though his everything he writes is based on it, he's telling you all his spiritual experience, but he never says this is how you do it. So yeah, it must not. He he must not be thinking that's what's important. So yeah, yeah, uh, Jonathan. Um, I guess my answer would be that. Um, I think for me it started with prayer and praying, uh, just praying for some kind of an awakening, uh, praying for for a, a difference in my life. Uh, one of the things that came to me out of the result of prayer was the need to change certain things, certain behavior, you know, just, just bad habits. And so I started working on those. So part part of what came to me things that I had to, Get out of the way in order to make room for the you know there was something in there now. Yeah. For a while, I thought, well, maybe I can't have that kind of experience, or maybe I can't, whatever. Uh, but then, no, it's a matter of there's something's blocking. So getting certain behavior, working on not doing certain things, seem to be important. So prayer and not doing, and then eventually also getting into the lofty state that Carl described, uh, <laughs> where becoming more loving or thinking more about. Other people, you know, like being useful, those kind of things. Right. Uh, and to my mind, it's you can have moments of sort of aha or being lifted up and stuff like that. A lot of it to me is just a daily incremental, you know, just a little change over time where you start to realize, wow, my thoughts are different than they used to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as you were saying before, you think based yeah. on where you are in the spiritual world and realize, oh, I think I have a different view. Mm-hmm. You know, working away in this way. And I really drift in and out of it. There are times when, particularly the principles that I picked up in Swedenborg, these are vivid. This stuff works. I can feel the reality. This is, I can feel the reality of it. I can feel this lifting me above negative states. And then there's a, I'll, I'll just go very external and I won't even, like, I know that there is that state, but it's like, I turn the key, try to get back in, but now I'm just like, well, when the sun comes out, it will. Um, but very much, I, you know, maybe we go through this miniature form of exonination, uh, glorification, like Jesus did, of we're plugged in, we're unplugged. So, all right, we're gonna. It's believe it or not, we we're like out of time. We're gonna no we're way. gonna do one more, um, just so that we finish on an even number. Just kidding, I haven't been counting the questions, but we're gonna do one. <laughs> That there were books not included in the Bible, aka lost books of the mm-hmm. Bible. Um, Dr. JSR, you know some things about the Bible. Would you tell us the answer to this question? Well, it's interesting. In some ways, people might say that he's gone in the opposite direction. That he, he to some extent, says that there are things in there that aren't as the Catholic. Bible is actually larger than the Protestant Bible. Uh, some things over time were removed from the Protestant uh, Bible, or they were considered apocryphal, and they used to be printed as part of the Bible. And then later on, they weren't included. So a King, you know, a New King James or something won't have Maccabees or you know Tobit or things like that in there. And Swedenborg gives a list of correspondential things in there mm-hmm. and then there's sort of a second tier of material lots of people the um uh, judaism has broken the bible into three parts even just the the hebrew scriptures into th- three parts and the torah is more important you know right. uh, than, than the than the prophets and the writings and so on. uh so people do this kind of thing so he, he does a priority 
within things like Genesis, Exodus, you know, Isaiah, the book of Revelation. You really didn't need anything outside of that. So he doesn't talk, he doesn't talk about lost uh, books of the Bible. Uh, in one passage, he talks about epistles of Paul that are not known in this world that were discovered in the spiritual world. Uh, so just an interesting little, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> interesting little comment. He doesn't seem that that keyed up about it. Uh, I think he really felt that if you really dwelt on what was there, and once it opens up, you see a whole world inside of what's there. There's nothing wrong with, you know, if you can read it in an internal way. There's, there's. I know there's all sorts of crazy stuff on the outside yeah. of the Old New Testaments, uh, but if you can break through to that deeper level. Um, Same time, though, Swedenborg has talked about. Um, he makes reference to the ancient word, that there was a word that existed before our 2.0 version or something, yeah. <laughs> like that actually what yeah. we're working with is just sort of like the word for humanity right now, and that there was an ancient word that we don't have anymore or that there might be remnants of around the world or something. And uh, But then he also talks about how it's actually written by angels there who are inspired by the Lord you know, to write it. Mm. So it just, but it's specific to their heaven, to their community. And so I think in terms of like, you know, the Mm. books not included or the Bible, but like, it's just a very interesting thing to be talking about the word and what are these books and, you know, what's their purpose and Mm. what's, yeah. The the ancient word, he talks about the wars of Jehovah being a book of the ancient word. If any of you want to find that, go to Greater Tartary. That's right. <laughs> so that, sorry, that's a Write us an email. Joke. Send there, us a postcard. There, right. Swedenborg says, in Greater Tartary, which is an old school term for like Asia, the top of Asia, he says it still exists Northern there. China. So go, is it like right. the Tibetan Book of the Dead? I don't know. So much. If you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe. There's our graphics. Ah, nice to see those there. That helps this video get out into the world. Also, if you want to donate, you can, and that supports the programming here. It's Never too early to start your tax-deductible stuff for 2016. 2017. (laughs) So uh, hopefully you'll think of us, and thanks. And we're going to be back next week talking about why.